I'm John Boehner. I'll be your new speaker. I'll arrest those nasty WikiLeakers. Now the followers of me don't drink Kool-Aid, only tea. The results that you all saw election night gave power to the loonies of the right. Joining us now from Washington, D.C., as we advertise at the top of the program, is a member of the legendary Capital Steps. They've been doing their, their funny music and parodies now for, oh, God, over 30 years, it looks like. And... Um, and joining us now to talk about this this endeavor is Elena Newport, one of the founding members of the group. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Elena. Well, legendary. I love that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone listens to, to NPR or, or watches PBS, I think you guys are just bound to have crossed over the threshold at some point. Well, we, we have been around 30 years, and actually uh, one of the fun things that we did in honor of our 30-year anniversary was that the Capital Steps wrote a 30-year recap song. Uh -huh. um, everything funny that has happened in 30 years in three minutes. <laughs> uh, so at the end of our show, we actually line up all the props of, you know, Clarence Thomas's Coke can, uh, Dick Cheney shooting someone in, a fa in the face, uh, Dan Quayle spelling potato with an E, and we recap 30 years in three minutes, and props are flying, and costumes are being torn off, and all that sort of thing. No nudity, though. <laughs> will, we, will we be treated to this on your visit here to Sacramento? I should. I want to know. You will. You will. good. You will watch it. It's not like a Gallagher concert. I don't want to get people too scared. Like you won't get splattered with watermelon or anything. But um, we do attempt. What is sort of impossible is to put thirty years in three minutes. I would think. I think that'd be damn near impossible. But but give it a go. We stretch a lot before the song. You guys will be appearing here uh, on, on Sunday night, May 5th, 6.30 p.m. at the Clarion Inn. You'll be, and you're being brought to us by the Humor Times Magazine in honor of their 22nd anniversary. So we look forward to talking to James Israel briefly after, after we talk here, Elena. But um, I was kind of shocked reading this uh, that to find out that you were working for Senator Charles Percy back in 1981 and decided that you would do this. You and, uh, I guess, your co-founders would throw together... Um, a little skit, some, and it, it went over pretty well. And that's been the beginning of everything that's happened since. It did. And we were actually, you know, Senator Percy, I don't know if you remember him, but sure do. he was one of those, yeah, he's one of those Republican moderates that you, I, you, really, you only read about them in the history books now. You don't find them in the <laughs> wild anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he was he was a great sport about it. Um, it was the early years of Ronald Reagan, and Ronald Reagan had uh, gone from acting to politics. So we thought, well, we'll kind of even it up and go from politics to acting. And uh, it was a great time for satire. We I remember he brought in all his conservative friends. You know, James Watt is Secretary of the Interior, and uh -huh. we did uh, Mine Every Mountain. And uh, you know, Reagan wasn't known for working real hard, so we did work in nine to ten. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Yes, indeed. And and just as an aside, whatever happened? Why didn't Chuck Percy ever run for president? He was he was a handsome man. He was considered bright, upcoming, moderate. But even back then, he was too moderate for the primary. Okay. That was kind of the problem that you know they you, you face. You got to win the primary first. I mean, you saw Mitt Romney running around trying to be everything to everybody last year. So yeah, moving uh, same, yes. same deal. Okay, well, it's too bad because he he seemed like he was a pretty good guy. He was yes. Yeah. 
Well, um, I have to laugh here, Elena, looking at uh, the discography on Wikipedia, and I'd advise anyone uh, listening to us now to, to check out some of, the com- some of the comedy you guys have managed to insert in your Wikipedia entry, which is, which is pretty funny. But uh, some of your songs just cracked me up on their titles, uh, or their, their album titles. I'm so indicted, back from 2006. <laughs> um, That's applied to many people, I guess. <laughs> 2004, <laughs> Papa's Got a Brand New Baghdad. Uh-huh. And uh, and 1998's unzipping my doodah. Of course, people can kind of they can can in their own imagination imagine what those all apply to. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, and I think our show is the only place where you can see things like you know Joe Biden sing a rock song <laughs> and Barack Obama sing a show tune and Mitt Romney do a rap. You know, all in the same show and. You might even see Kim Kim Jong Un come out and sing. You know, we have a song right now with him to Cats in the Cradle. I want to be like you, Dad, where he talks to <laughs> Kim Jong Il, and we kind of find out how he got to the point where he is. It's it's educational. I'm I'm sure it is. <laughs> how many people are writing these things? You actually, I guess, are, are write write a number of these songs yourself. I write some of them, yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's the challenge. I mean, you you have somewhere it's it's very. It's very obvious. I mean, the new pope's from Argentina, and you're always looking for an excuse to use "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Yes. And you've got the Evita parody on the, par- you know, on the, on the balcony and everything. <laughs> so every once in a while, there's there's just a gift in terms of what song to choose. Um, and you know, of course, people politicians are very good to us. I mean, you know, sometimes they even tweet pictures of their underwear on our behalf. <laughs> you know, you can't make that stuff up. You you guys uh, appear. I guess every Friday and Saturday in our nation's capital, the Capitol Steps, and and, and yet uh, you go on these tours every so often, which is bringing you to our area. How often do you take off and, and do this? Well, we in, we're traveling a lot. We travel several times a week. We we're all based in Washington D.C. Yeah, and we have this pool of performers that goes out and kind of crisscrosses the country, and we've been to all 50 states at this point. Good. But um, I have to say, coming to Sacramento is a real treat, because it's a very politically savvy town, and you know everybody gets the jokes. We like that. Good, good. Well, we have our own capital here with our own capital steps, and, uh, and I, I do want to note that it is spelled with an O-L, not an A-L. Because <laughs> you're, refer- you're referring to the building itself. Yes. Well, we were actually named after a scandal that occurred on the capital steps, the actual building steps. Oh, do when tell. When we first started, there was a congressman who claimed... Uh, to have done something anatomically impossible with his wife on the Capitol steps. At least I think it would be impossible because you've ever seen the number of police around there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they claimed they had had an illicit affair on the Capitol steps, and um, it turned out later they kind of retracted the story, but then she posed for Playboy. So we actually named ourselves after the actual Capitol steps. I, I did not know that. Yes, it was John Jenrette from South Carolina, and his wife Rita posed for Playboy a couple years later. Well, Lena, I want to note that uh, that you guys are not just appearing in Sacramento. Some people may miss that show. In fact, uh, due to some uh, previous obligations, I will not be able to be in attendance Sunday oh, night. Oh, but no. but uh, but the next night, Monday, uh, uh, May six, you'll be in Livermore at the Livermore mm-hmm. Valley Performing Arts Center, and the night after that. Tuesday night in Modesto at the Gallo Center for the Arts. So people do get three cracks at you guys. Right, it's, it's a glamorous showbiz. We're going all over the state. Yeah. Yes, indeed. We're going to do about 30 songs in this show. It's going to be everything from, you know, it's going to be politics. You're going to see Barack Obama. You're going to see Joe Biden and all that. But we'll even do, you know, 
airport security. We'll do uh, the, the 50th anniversary of the Rolling Stones, you know, with them singing songs that are more age-appropriate now, like, <laughs> hey, you, get off of my lawn, and things like that. And uh, we'll have pretty much everything in the show. Immigration, environmentalists, it's all over, anything in the headlines. And we'll get both sides. We'll get the guy you don't like in the first song and the guy you do like in the second song. And it's something for everybody. Well, Elena Newport, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I, I hope that a lot of our listeners will uh, show up for this because I know you guys do some pretty funny stuff, and they can check it out on YouTube and I guess also some your website. All right, well, thanks for having us on. And when kids on mountain bikes tear up our yard, we shall respect the older class. We shall hey, hey, you, yeah. get off of my lawn. Hey, hey you, yeah. get off of my lawn. Well, that was fun, and let's go more locally now to speak to the man of the hour himself, James Israel, the proprietor that brings you the Humor Times, and whose uh, uh, magazine is being honored for their 22nd anniversary with the visit from the Capitol Steps. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be a a very fun gig, I think. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. These guys are great. They've been around forever, and they really know what they're doing. Uh, Everybody loves them. It's going to be fun. And they're kind of the auditory equivalent of what you do in print. Uh, a lot of satire, a lot of it political. Exactly, yeah. So it's a really good fit for us. And uh, I just, I kind of lucked into this really with them. Um, they weren't going to have a show in Sacramento this year, and I noticed that while surfing around and looking at their schedule. So I got in touch with them and said, hey, you should let us present you. It's our 22nd anniversary, and it'll be great. And... Uh, they agreed. They gave me some uh, terms I could work with because uh, I'm not a promoter with deep pockets, and mm-hmm. they understood that. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's really a great opportunity for the Humor Times. Well, it is a natural fit, being that we are the capital here in Sacramento. Uh, That's right. Of, of California, they keep saying the fifth or the eighth or whatever it is, the largest economy in the world. But uh, yeah, hopefully they'll come back, and man, you you can be a part of that as 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 well. Because again, I mean, it's it, it's a natural fit for this town. Yeah, and uh, and you know the Humor Times and uh, Capital Steps are such a good fit too. And like you say, we're we're in print what they are on stage basically. And uh, so if any of the listeners are not familiar with the Humor Times, I hope they go to our website. Uh, that's also where uh, a lot of lot more information about the show is. Um, it's real obvious right there on the homepage. All right. What, what's the web address? It's just uh, humortimes.com. And uh, once once you get there, there's um, it's real obvious uh, where to go for more info on the steps. And then um, you can also order the tickets online as well right there. Well, I'm sure some of our listeners will do exactly that. James, always a pleasure. Happy 22nd anniversary, and, and we're looking forward to, uh, to seeing many more. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Mr. Miller, you know what we forgot to do? The good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for alleged time machines, and I'm pretty sure that's a phrase we've never used before, with the news that an Iranian scientist claims to have invented a time machine that offers users a glimpse of the future. Ali Rezegdi, 27, says that his 
Aryayek time-traveling machine doesn't transport people through time, but instead uses a complex algorithm to predict the next five to eight years using the user's life with, quote, 98% accuracy, unquote. But Regezi refuses to showcase his prototype in public, saying he fears that the Chinese will steal the idea and produce it in the millions overnight. Mr. Merlin wonders why it is that, that he can't just, you know, look into the future to see whether the Chinese will do that. I mean, we don't know. But we know it was a bad week, probably an epically bad week last week for excuses with the news that a Texas teacher invoked her own racism to dispute allegations that she had fondled a black student. Yes, teacher Irene Esther Stokes, who is white, denied the first grader's accusation that she touched her private parts by claiming that she doesn't even like touching black students on the hand. Stokes was fired. And it was an ugly week last week for manning up when a 19-year-old Florida man called 9-11, called 911 twice in one night to complain that he, quote, didn't like the way his mother was talking to him, unquote. Vincent Valvo didn't specify the exact nature of his mother's comments, but police who charged him with abusing the emergency line said he did smell like alcohol. And finally, it was a both bad and ugly week for choosing your poison, choosing your poison Chinese style, another sudden mass animal die-off in China, which has left many Chinese worried about their own health. Scores of pigs and dogs dropped dead overnight in Dongtong Village, apparently from poisonous gas emitted from a chemical plant. Send one resident, all the dogs in the village had basically died off. Those that hadn't died were in their last gasps. In the last few months, more than 1,000 dead ducks and 16,000 dead pigs have been found in Chinese waterways, polluting the drinking water of Shanghai and other cities. Now, officials have ruled out that a new strain of avian flu, H7N1, is the cause of death, leaving pollution as the probable culprit. You, you may wish to bring this up with your travel agent prior to your next trip to China. As you may or may not recall, this correspondent visited Shanghai last November and found the air and water to be, well, I guess I would call it apocalyptically bad. All right, from the Only in America file, we have the following. An independent review has found it indisputable that the U.S. engaged in torture after the September 11th attacks and that top officials are ultimately responsible for the human rights abuses. Wow, this just in. Independent review confirms it. The Pope is Catholic. But no, a 577-page report sponsored by the Constitution Project, a legal advocacy group, and a bipartisan panel found that intelligence officers and military forces engaged in torture and cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment of detainees in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the U.S.-run Guantanamo Bay prison in Cuba. Well, also elsewhere, in violation of U.S. and international law. The widespread torture said the report was the direct result of decisions made by the nation's highest civilian and military leaders, including President George W. Bush, who decided that the Geneva Convention did not apply to al-Qaeda and Taliban militants. Now, we've complained on this program before that uh, economic forecasting is a pseudoscience and probably designed to make astrology look good. So we really can't resist quoting from MarketWatch.com, as it appeared in The Week magazine, which noted that the newest economic indicator might be your underwear drawer. Now, uh, try to follow me on this one. 
said Market Watch, American men's apparel sales stayed flat in 2012, except for two garments some men continue to wear even after they're falling apart. Underwear and socks. Sales for these essential but largely unseen items rose by 13 and 12% respectively. And some analysts say that's a good sign for the economy at large. They quoted Vicki Morowitz, marketing professor at New England University, saying that for men who don't care so much about underwear during lean times, they probably made do with what they had. Adding in an improving economy, quote, it's probably the right time for men to get rid of all that holy underwear, unquote. Yeah, how about the fact that our financial markets went into free fall a couple weeks back after hackers posted fake news alerts on the Associated Press Twitter feed? Yes, the hackers used Twitter to note that two explosions in the White House and Barack Obama is injured caused the market to crash. Now it recovered within a couple minutes, but the hoax left traders catching their breath and speculating once more about their vulnerability to breaking news in the age of social media. According to Bloomberg.com, that in that two minutes, the fake tweet temporarily wiped $136 billion from the S&P 500. We're going to talk in this program about uh, about this whole too-big-to-fail idea and how apparently the uh, uh, people that are running the country and making financial decisions are above the law, at least seems that way. Yeah, but today ain't the day for that. And you know, something we're going to have to spend more time on in the future is a piece that was in the Wall Street Journal, of all things, on the business section, a piece by Ian Salisbury, reprinted in the B last March 31st, about uh, what it is that financial advisors won't tell you. They cited 10 things. I'm just going to focus on number six, which is that financial advisors won't tell you that they get paid by mutual fund companies. Noted Salisbury, investors aren't the only ones who pay fees to their financial advisors. Mutual fund companies whose funds advisors recommend do too. Wall Street calls these financial relationships revenue sharing. While perfectly legal, critics have long likened the payments to kickbacks. Of course, financial advisors don't dispute that it's a conflict of interest. Disclosures often label it as such. Indeed, some firms in the brokerage industry say, since the vast majority of big mutual fund companies make revenue-sharing payments, they don't necessarily give brokers an incentive to pick one fund over another. Now, heck, they're all giving us money. Why should we steer you to one of them in particular? Nah, we're screwing them just like we're screwing you. And on that note, let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. We got more in segment three. Stick around. It isn't easy becoming a pope. The conclave is dull and it takes several days. Then you look out and see the wet smoke blowing west and you're elected. And now all the press wants to know where you're from. They're asking you questions all day. Like what soccer team you like best. Don't cry, I'm from Argentina. Although I speak great Italian, I say buongiorno and buenos dias. But I like vino. Yes, I am from Argentina, and yes, this poor 
is Catholic. My desk is maple. My hat is papal. I'm realistic.